0: Hello again. This is going to be the last episode of 2021, not forever. Thank you everyone for all the support, kindness, and love you've shown me, not just this year, but since 2017. I am extremely happy to be doing what I'm doing, and even when times get tough, I will continue this podcast. I may not have a huge listener base, but you're all enough for me. While most of you are maybe here for the murders and mysteries, I really hope you may have learned a few other things about Asia, regardless of whether you're Asian or not. I definitely learned a lot during my research. So, on to today's topic. I chose this case mostly because it happened almost exactly a year ago, and while I feel like this case may have been major news in some places, many people are probably still unfamiliar with it. So, New Year's Eve. It's a time where tons of people get together go out to bars, meet up with friends, and most likely get uncharacteristically drunk. It happens. Not a big deal, but when it results in injuries or, or worse, death, then it becomes a major issue. This is the frustrating and agonizing case of Christine Serra. It was kind of strange researching this case because it took place so recently, but I will definitely do my best to give a clear picture and honor the victim. We will discuss who she was, what happened on New Year's Eve, and what happened during the investigation and the aftermath. Let's begin. Christine Angelica Dacera was born on April 13, 1997. Originally, she was from the city of General Santos, but would later move for her schooling and for her work. Family-wise, she grew up with her parents and her three sisters, her being the second oldest. Yeah, that's a lot of girls in one family, but it must have been chaotic in a nice way. She was close with her family members, and one of her dreams was to be able to fly and travel with her family, especially her mother. I don't know, maybe they were very close, or maybe she saw how much her mother gave for the family. She attended the Heritage Academy of the Philippines, during her schooling years and for university she went on to study at the university of the philippines mindanao in davao city which is about a 3 ish ride by car from her hometown so fact is that christine was a beautiful young woman if you see her photo you will know exactly what i'm talking about but that's not all there is to her she was a cheerleader in school participated in various different beauty pageants and even came up as a first runner-up in one of them. She graduated cum laude in the year 2017 from university, was also initiated into the Honor Society of Phi Kappa Phi, and if you're like me and have no idea what that really entails, here's what their website states. Quote, Membership in the Honor Society of Phi Kappa Phi is earned, and admission is by invitation only. An invitation to join requires nomination by chapter, unquote. Sounds pretty damn exclusive, right? There's also a list of eligibility requirements that I won't go through, but just know. It basically requires a lot of school credit hours, and you must also have ranked within the top 10% of your class. Considering she graduated cum laude, it's not a surprise that she was invited and initiated. Quite the achievement. Since she majored in communications and media studies, she found a job and began working as a marketing associate at the Gaisano Malls, which is a shopping mall based in Davao City, in the Philippines. They have various branches in various cities, and Christine would oftentimes have to travel around for her job. As interesting and challenging the job may have been to her, it also wasn't really likely she would have stuck with this work for the rest of her life. I mean, you're young, you're accomplished, and you've just started life as a working adult. It makes sense to want to learn new things and try different jobs, right? Probably not if you're from an older generation, though. Anyway, Christine ended up leaving her job in January of 2019, and a few months later, began her new career as a flight attendant at PAL Express, which is a subsidiary of Philippine Airlines. It's really not a surprise though. Asian Airlines absolutely love hiring beautiful young people for their flight attendant crew. And Christine was bright, beautiful, lively, and all those things you expect of someone in their early 20s. She began working in May of 2019, and since this job was based in Manila, she once again had to relocate for her job. After her training, she began to fly with the airlines. But as we all know, something quite annoying and major happened to the world in early 2020, which meant a lot of flights were cancelled and many flight staff had very minimum hours. This is why this case kind of weirds me out when I was researching it. It's so recent. I am by all means not trying to make it sensational, just hoping to bring awareness. It's just strange to think that everyone involved in this case went through COVID, like the rest of us, and they had to go through quarantine, COVID testing, posted about it on Instagram, all that. So, fast forward a bit to the end of 2020, literally just last year. The holidays were coming up, meaning Christmas and New Year's Eve. Even though it doesn't really get cold in the Philippines, I feel like everyone freaking loves the holidays. This could be wrong, of course, as this is based off of my personal experience living there for a few months. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing Christmas decorations as early as August, and that's why I came to the conclusion that the holidays are a very big deal. Also, it's a very Christian-slash-Catholic country, so that would also make sense. Christine finished her last flight of the year on December 28th with a few of her friends and colleagues. This group also began to make plans for New Year's Eve, which included getting hotel room in the City Garden Grand Hotel in Makati. Makati is the central business district located in Metro Manila. Sounds like a solid and relatively safe plan, right? At least you can drink and party with people around you, and if you get too tired or drunk, you always have a room to go back to. Christine also made sure to tell her mother about her plan, And since she was an adult, I'm sure her mother didn't think much of it. Probably did what most moms would do, tell her to have fun and be safe. So Christine got dressed up, got dolled up, and was then ready for a night of fun and celebration. Unfortunately though, not a lot is known on what actually happened on New Year's Eve. We know that Christine went with some of her friends and colleagues to the City Garden Grand Hotel to check in. Most of her friends were men, and a good chunk of them were said to be gay men. I am not pointing that out for no reason, as you will see later. So all we have to go on is CCTV footage from the hotel. Feel free to google the video footage, but if you don't want to, here is a quick rundown. The camera is angled by the top of the door, so you get a view of the door, the hallway, and the end of the hallway. The first part shows the group of friends leaving the room at around 11.21pm on New Year's Eve, and there's a bit of back and forth of them just coming and going. One footage caught Christine seemingly getting cozy with a man in a baseball cap, which I assume could be a close friend of hers. It's not really known if she had a boyfriend, but baseball cap guy could be someone she was seeing rather casually. Christine allegedly made a phone call to her mother at around 12.30am, as in the early morning of New Year's Day. After that, we just see a lot of them coming and going between 2am till morning. I'm assuming they're partying, getting drinks, going back to their room to party more, or something along those lines. Nothing really seemed strange. Typical young adults having fun. At around 5.05 in the morning, Christine was seen on camera running with a friend to her room. But not like chasing each other or anything, just kind of like having fun and whatnot. Then the camera footage shows the baseball cap guy carrying Christine to her room at around 6.23 in the morning. Sort of a princess carry way, the way a groom would carry a bride. At this point, she's still conscious and awake, and did not seem to be distressed. It even looked like they were talking to each other. I assume she could have been feeling tired and maybe too drunk, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if her friend offered to take her back to her room. We never see Christine leave the room again though. That would be the last video footage we see of her alive. Starting from around 7am, CCTV footage showed people walking in the hall with their bags, presumably heading to check out from their rooms. At around 9.03am, we finally see a man wearing green pants and a green shirt, carrying a bag, leave from the room Christine was in. Fast forward to around 12.22pm, another man, a friend of Christine's, is shown opening the door of the room, seemingly looking into the hallway and calling out. A hotel staff is then seen entering the room a minute later, probably to check to see what the issue was. A couple more minutes later, another hotel staff is seen entering the room, this time with a wheelchair. My guess is that the friend probably realized something wasn't right with Christine, so he tried to get help from the hotel staff. Upon checking up on her, it was clear that she was unable to leave the room on her own, so they brought in a wheelchair to assist her. She was then seen leaving the room in the wheelchair with the help of a hotel staff and a friend of hers. She did not appear to be conscious and was unable to sit upright in the wheelchair by herself. She was immediately taken to the Makati Medical Center, where they soon pronounced her dead. What the hell happened between 6.23am and 12.22pm? The whole investigation was quite a bit of a mess. And even to this day, some people still disagree with the investigation and findings. Like I mentioned, it is not really clear as to what went down between 6am and 12pm. What we do know is that Christine's friend, who called for help, initially found Christine vomiting at around 7.30am. He helped her clean up and then tried to get her to go to sleep in the bed, but she refused saying that she didn't want to accidentally throw up all over the sheets. Instead, she got into the bathtub, and that was that. The friend then woke up at around 10am, saw that she was still in the tub, grabbed a blanket, and used it to cover her up, probably assuming she was still asleep. A couple hours later when it was time to check out, he went in to check in on her again and found that she was unresponsive and was beginning to turn blue. He tried to wake her and even perform CPR on her, but nothing helped. That's when he asked for help from the hotel, and the hotel was allegedly very slow to respond, and it took a while for her to actually arrive at the hospital, where she was soon pronounced dead. The Asian Madness Podcast is brought to you by Ritual, something important we should talk about as women, since most of my listeners are probably women. Let's face it. Life is freaking stressful. We have to work, go to school, pay our bills, look decent, be nice, and on top of all that, we also have to try and stay healthy. But the staying healthy part is something that we often overlook, because sometimes you can't really see what's going on inside your body, and that's very tricky. The good news is, there's a way to go about it. Since studies have shown that a large percentage of adult women are not getting enough vitamin D and omega-3, Ritual has stepped in to help keep us in check. And God knows, I need the extra help. Ritual's essential multivitamin has been heavily researched and is used to help improve brain health, bone health, blood health, and all those other things that can help with your overall health. Sounds easy, right? Those that have tried Ritual have reported an increase in both vitamin D and omega-3 levels in around 12 weeks. These vitamins are, of course, non-GMO, vegan-friendly, and with very transparent ingredients. So, no weird chemicals that can end up ruining our bodies. I've placed new orders since trying this out, and I'm quite excited to stay on top of my health goals, because it's one of the few things I can actually try and control. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Asian and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Asian. I know it's always exciting to sign up for new trials and new subscription apps, whether it's some streaming service, some game, or some sort of merchandise. I get it because I do it too it's not shocking. We love new and free things. But after that initial spree, do you actually remember all those things you signed up for? What happens when you forget about those subscriptions after your free 7-day trial? Yeah, we know what happens. You get charged and then shocked Pikachu face. In this day and age, it's super common for people to sign up to too many subscriptions. Sometimes we forget, but other times... These websites make it nearly impossible to cancel. Well, Truebill can make your life a ton easier and also help you save money on unnecessary things. It's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Truebill has over 2 million users and on average, one person can end up saving $720 a year with this app. Imagine all that money going to waste because you forgot, or because the website or service is trying to make your life difficult. So if you're hoping to regain control of your subscriptions, look no further. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start cancelling today at Truebill.com slash madness. Go right now to Truebill.com slash madness. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash madness. Here is what the police found after looking further into the case and those that were seen partying with Christine on New Year's Eve. There were 11 men total that night, and only 3 of them were Christine's friends, while the rest may have been acquaintances or friends of her friend. Obviously, that's way too many people for one room, so the other friends had also booked an additional hotel room in a room adjacent to the one Christine was staying in. I do not know if they had connecting doors, though. Most of those seen partying with Christine that night had already left the hotel by the time she was found dead. And while police were able to find three of the guys, the rest were just... gone. Although the police chief made threats about hunting down the rest if they didn't turn themselves in, there weren't any arrest warrants out for these men. And if they managed to leave without issue, I cannot see why they would want to return... And talk to the police. In a way, it's like all talk but no action. And maybe the men were scared, or they just didn't care. Christine's autopsy report showed that she had some injury to her thighs and knees, but definitely difficult to say how she got those bruises. They also managed to find some sperm sample around her genital area and some laceration. At this point, it's easy to come to the conclusion that she was probably raped and assaulted. After all, she was seen hanging out with multiple men, and only three of those men were people that she knew personally. She was intoxicated, having fun, probably let her guard down. She wasn't expecting any of these guys to turn on her, but is that what really happened? Let's take a look at what the police think happened. Initially, the police went with the most likely scenario which was one based on the general facts found surrounding the crime scene, that this was a rape homicide or a rape slay. Christine's three friends were arrested and questioned at first, but all of them claimed to have loved her and would never do anything to harm her. They also stated that two of them were gay, and at least six of the other friends were also gay, so the likelihood of them having raped Christine was very low. I mean, yeah, low, but what about the other dudes? While I understand that gay men are not attracted to women, it doesn't mean they could not have harmed her in other ways. They may not have physically hurt her, but they could have been there while she was attacked and not done or said anything. Or maybe didn't even know about it. Later on, after an extensive autopsy, the coroner shocked everyone by stating that Christine's real cause of death was not murder, but actually from ruptured, Aortic aneurysm aka natural causes. An aortic aneurysm is, quote, a balloon like bulge in the aorta, the large artery that carries blood from the heart through the chest and torso. The force of blood pumping can split the layers of the artery wall, allowing blood to leak in between them. This can be caused from high blood pressure, smoking, or injuries and infection. So as we know, Christine was only 23, and it's quite hard to imagine this happening to someone young and otherwise healthy. I would guess that Christine is relatively healthy because from what I know, most airline companies require employees to have a health examination, and if you didn't pass that, you may very well be turned away from the job. Unless she had some severe underlying sickness that went undetected, then this probably would have been caught early on. Around the end of January, less than a month after Christine's death, the police officially concluded that the cause of death was not homicide and that it was a natural death. Therefore, the case was solved. It had nothing to do with rape or drugs or alcohol. You can imagine how many people would be angry at this outcome especially Christine's mother, Sharon. One statement released by the official stated that, quote, "At this point, the pieces of the evidence so far submitted are insufficient to establish that she was sexually assaulted or raped, and if sexual assault rape was committed, who is/are the persons responsible." Unquote. While we can agree that Christine suffered from an aneurysm since the coroner said so, But what would have been the real cause of that? Did this come out of nowhere? Or is it possible that she had been assaulted and raped, and during the attack, she had an aneurysm, since harsh injuries and an elevated blood pressure could potentially cause an aneurysm? This theory was definitely brought up, but again, there just wasn't enough evidence to prove this theory, or to prove that the man that she hung out with that night did anything to her. The police just didn't have any concrete evidence to go on. One of the accused, who was a gay man, stated that, quote, How did it become rape? I am gay. I never had sex with any woman ever in my life, quote. One of her friends who was at the party appeared to be very heartbroken over his friend's death, stating that she was, quote, Like a sister to me. I really loved her so much. For me, it is really painful that Christine is gone. But I hope her family will find clarity. Unquote. Christine's mother, of course, doesn't believe that her death was due to natural causes. She's angry at the police for not gathering more evidence and not willing to look further into the case. She's angry that they came to this conclusion so quickly after her death. She's angry that people could be this cruel to a woman, and she's also extremely angry at the young men who were parting with her daughter before her death. It seems like Christine's mother believed that these men were directly at fault for Christine's death in some way or another, and many others believed it as well, even if the police closed the case, calling it a natural death. Quote, you treated her like a pig. I don't want this to happen to another woman who will be treated like that. Christine does not deserve this brutality. Unquote. Christine's wake was held on January 6th in the city of Pasay, and afterwards, her remains were sent back home to General Santos via Philippine Airlines. She was finally laid to rest on January 10th. I don't know how long it usually takes to examine a body and collect all the evidence and run tests, but since her wake was barely a week after her death, it did seem a bit rushed. Maybe that explains why not enough evidence was taken. Or maybe the police were dismissive about it, hoping to get it wrapped up as quickly as possible by claiming they did everything they could. Maybe the police heard aortic aneurysm and were like, okay, cool, case closed. PAL Express, Christine's employer, released a statement regarding this incident. Quote, she was an upstanding and professional PAL Express crew member. Who will be sorely missed by her colleague and friends. Unquote. The hotel where Christine was partying at was investigated and subsequently fined and suspended for violating COVID regulations. Like I said, so weird that this case happened during one of the weirdest times of our lives. Not surprising that they were fined, since it was stated that every room can only accommodate two adults. Obviously, the more people, the higher the risk of contracting the virus. Also, it was before vaccines started rolling out, so, I mean, even if you wanted to have fun and whatever, the hotel still had to uphold their policies. But they probably chose not to, since it was New Year's Eve and they wanted to maximize profit. Since this was not a clear and cut case of rape and murder, it obviously gathered a lot of attention in people from different sides. Some people were convinced that something shady had gone down in the hotel room. And also hearing about the laceration and semen collected in her genital area, it was probably not an outlandish assumption either. But for a moment here, just to play devil's advocate, could she have willingly engaged in sexual intercourse with someone? Obviously, no one came forward with any information that could point that way, but could they have been too scared to say anything? The semen sample collected basically came out inconclusive, so regardless, we may never really know. Then, of course, we have those that think it's not a good idea to make assumptions without having any sort of concrete evidence. Innocent till proven guilty. The problem is that the entire group that night consisted of about 11 men, And only one woman. Some people think that this is too convenient, as in it's so easy to blame the guys for having done something to her because she was outnumbered. I definitely do see this side of the argument as well. We really don't know what happened to her for sure, and for all we know, she could have gotten injured while hanging out with her friends, and when you add the fact that everybody was drinking, could that have triggered an aneurysm? As for the men, They could have been completely innocent. They were simply seen as guilty because it was the easiest way to explain it away. But it really doesn't help their case when they refuse to come forward and talk to the police. But I also get how scary it can be if you tell the truth, but instead get accused of lying. Then we also have a group of people who enjoy victim blaming. With the good old classic line of, Well, what was she wearing? She was partying. She was glammed up. Yes, she was wearing a party dress. Again, victim blaming is never okay. I feel like I don't have to explain why it's wrong. Christine is dead and she will never be able to tell her side of the story. Tons of hashtags were trending in regards to this case, ranging from hashtag protect drunk girls, hashtag men are trash, to hashtag death penalty. It sounds quite messy to be honest. Police seemed a bit wishy-washy the men denied any wrongdoing people were spreading misinformation regarding the case and one of the men parting that night was forced out of the closet and disowned by his family due to the investigation people were understandably frustrated with the police because they felt that they weren't doing their job and i do understand that shit must be frustrating everyone wants to know what happened people want someone to blame and most importantly, they want justice for Christine. I did a quick search on social media for Christine and some of the men that were there that night at the hotel. I will not be naming any names, because it was said that some of these men were basically declared rapists and murderers by the public. The comments on their photos are usually a mix between love and hate, some commenting things like, kill yourself, or I believe you. I mean, I get it. It looks extremely suspicious when one girl dies after hanging out with you, and on top of that, she has laceration and sperm in her genital area. And just so happens, there were 11 other men present with her that night before she died. If these guys are really innocent and happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, then yeah, it's unfair, and it sucks. Some people have even accused some of the men of pretending to be gay in order to prove their quote-unquote innocence. Which I mean, not impossible. In this day and age, literally anything is possible. I should also mention that many people accuse the police and the coroner of lying and covering up the truth. Again, anything is possible, yes, and the police in the Philippines don't exactly have the best track record when it comes to solving cases like this. Some of the young men involved were from rather affluent backgrounds, so the more you look into it, the more possible it may seem. I've also had Filipino listeners mention that the justice system in the Philippines is very flawed, and many crimes tend to go either unsolved or are solved way too quickly. While I did mention that most of the 11 men from that night were not arrested or questioned by the police, they were all eventually identified and cleared of rape and homicide charges. The prosecutor stated that the report, quote, is insufficient to prove that penile penetration or carnal knowledge was committed immediately prior to examination, Therefore, no probable cause to charge these guys. The men present there that night have also expressed their feelings, stating that they wanted to move on. One man stated the following, Quote, the truth is the damage has been done in our lives, the stigma, the notoriety, the articles are all over the internet. For now, all I'm focusing on is the day we are proven innocent officially. For now, all we want is for this to be over. We want to move on from our lives. We want to restart because we don't know where to start. I don't know, man. But Christine's family wants to know more too, you know? Since they lost her daughter and sister, it's hard to say if this is still an ongoing investigation. But if there are any updates, I will definitely let you know. So there you have it. The untimely and unfortunate death of a young woman in the prime of her life. Do you think it was murder and the men are guilty to certain degrees? Or do you think she may have literally been passed out in the bathtub and suffered from an aortic aneurysm? Christine's mother and supporters continue to believe and fight for justice, but it seems as if the police have made up their minds. Even after Christine's mother requested for another autopsy, they told her that the body was too far gone to do an accurate examination. Hmm. I definitely feel sympathy for Christine's family, and even though the chances seem quite slim, I do hope that they find the quote-unquote closure they need, whatever form it may be. Lots of people don't believe in closure, and I definitely get it. It's literally just wanting to know exactly what happened. And while that may not feel like closure, it really does help take some weight off their shoulders and minds. The pain obviously will not go away, but neither will the memories they have of their loved ones. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. It's pretty much the end of 2021, and please, if you do plan on partying or whatnot, be safe. Don't drink and drive. Everything in moderation. But most importantly, watch out for your friends and family, or even strangers if need be. Protect yourself and those around you. Kindness really goes a long way. Happy New Year, everyone. And... Till next year. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com.